Well, good morning, guys. So we, we are uh, in the almost last week of the series. Next week's the last week of it. Talking about awesome relationships. Um, this morning, talking about awesome sibling relationships. I think about my, uh, my brother. Um, I have one brother. He's four years older than me. And, um, you know, he's a pretty awesome guy. I mean, he's very, he's very intelligent. Like, he's, I think I've mentioned this before, like my famous story of him, uh, just to demonstrate his intelligence, is that he read the entire set of encyclopedias by the time he was seven, right? Like, he had them in his room, and he was I'm like, who does that, right? Like, this is just my brother, right? And this is who he was. And I, so he's four years older, and I was, he was the consummate older brother, you know, he was very responsible, he made great decisions, he had his act together, and I was the consummate younger brother, right? I was spontaneous, which really means impetuous, but spontaneous sounds better. I was carefree, which is really forgetful, but again, carefree sounds much better. And so I would drive him crazy sometimes, and I would pest him relentlessly. I remember one time thinking I was really smart. I I put my like sneakers on and stuff, and it was like wintertime, snows out, and I just pestered him relentlessly. I knew he was going to try to like pound the snot out of me, and when he did, when he chased me, I ran outside into the snow, and he couldn't follow me because he was in his bare feet, and I was like, ha! And he just smirked back at me as he locked the door. <laughs> like I said, he was smarter than me. So um, sometimes siblings are really awesome. And sometimes they're not. I mean, some of you know when it comes to siblings, the Bible begins badly. I mean, have you thought about that? It begins very badly. If you remember the, the first origin stories in the Scripture, about the first two brothers, there was murder involved. There was jealousy. There was envy. There was all of this mess. And it just continues. Throughout the Scripture, it tells real stories of what sibling relationships can be like. And some of you know what they can be like. Some of you have experienced them with your own siblings, you know? You've, you've heard this, the, the saying, right? You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, right? You can't choose, you're just, you're just stuck with them. Whoever your family is, that's, that's who you are. And, and some of you wish that, you know, you, you, maybe some of you have some really great siblings, and maybe some of you are like, man, I, like, I wish siblings were more like cars. I could trade it in, you know? I could lease a new one every few years. But uh, we don't get that opportunity. And in this series, as we've been talking about awesome relationships, we base it on one verse of Scripture, one passage in Matthew, where Jesus says, I'm going to sum up. I'm going to sum up everything the Bible says. All the commandments, everything that God's told you, I'm going to sum it up for you. And when asked to sum it up all into just one simple way of living, this is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, here's the problem. Loving your neighbor is probably easier than loving your sibling, isn't it? You don't have as much history with your neighbor. You didn't have to grow up with your neighbor. And what happens when we have to love our siblings well? What happens when we say, I want to do what Jesus asked me to do. I want to have an awesome relationship. And Jesus' advice is, then love your siblings well. So here's what we're going to do today. Today we're going to look at an ancient story found in Genesis 15. It's about a, a guy named Joseph and his brothers and sibling relationships. And what could be? What, what could have been? And, and here's what we're going to find out. Something I'm going to tell you you already know. Like 
if you want strong sibling relationships, they're not based on perfection, right? They're not based on you being perfect or your sibling being perfect. You know that because you're not perfect and neither are they. They're based on imperfect relationships. Your sibling relationships will be always based on imperfect people in a relationship with each other, trying to love each other. And so if you want strong sibling relationships, and this is it's really what it comes down to today, if you want strong sibling relationships, then you've got to build them on forgiveness. And that's, in essence, what we're going to talk on today. So if you want to get out the scoop, your outline's inside there. You can follow along today. Um, you can open up your Bible, your Bible app to Genesis 50. We're going to talk about this, this story, this ancient story of Joseph and how his sibling relations were, were terribly messy when he built them on forgiveness, made the promise of redemption, made, created the possibility for something better and something new. So, um, so let's talk about this story. So Joseph, if some of you might remember... Um, this is a story from, from way back. This is the story of, of Joseph, and Joseph had 11 other brothers, family of 12. Now, you can imagine when you have a large family, some of you may have grown up in a large family, that it's a little complicated, right? And, and if you think your family growing up was complicated, or maybe today you have a blended family, you think that's kind of complicated, let me tell you about their family. So Joseph's dad, his name is Jacob. Jacob marries a gal named Leah. They have... Ten brothers together, ten kids. But he also marries a girl, then marries a girl named Rachel, and they have two kids together. Now that could make complicated in any time in our current season of like that could make a really complicated blended family situation. But Leah and Rachel were not like he married Rachel and then he got divorced and he married Rachel. No, he, he married Leah and then he married Rachel, and they all lived together not so happily, under the same roof. And there were favorites, and everybody knew, as part of the favorite system with Jacob, he loved Rachel more than Leah. In fact, there's a whole backstory of that whole situation and how it happened, but because of that, his firstborn to Rachel, his name was Joseph. And they just had a bond, and everybody in the family knew it. Right, So you know how it is. Some of you who are, maybe you grew up as older siblings and you felt like, well, I'm not the favorite one, but man, my younger sibling, they get away with everything. Mom and dad just let them do everything, like special rules, right? Like I had to be home at 11, but they got to get home at 12. You know, I, I had to do the dishes. They always got out of it. What's the deal with that? You, you know, like special rules, special things apply. Joseph got special gifts. You know, you remember the old Smothers Brothers routine? Anybody remember the Smothers Brothers? Anybody? Good. good. There's some other people in here that are older, too. That's fantastic. You just, that's what you just did by raising your hand. But they used to say, like, they used to have this whole thing where they did back and forth that mom, mom got you a dog, and all I got was a chicken, right? Like, that, that was my pet, right? So, so there's always, there's this long history of this rivalry between siblings, but it was real. So... Part of their, so this is part of their story, and um, here's what happens. Joseph just lives out all these special rules and everything else, and guess what happens? He's, he's one of the youngest brothers in the thing, and you know what happens when a younger brother wants all their special rules and all their whatever in front of all their older brothers? Yeah, right? We're going to take you out behind the school bus, son, right? We're going we're gonna to teach you some lessons. So 
here's what they did. This, this wasn't just, we're going to go teach you some lessons. This was, they despised him. I mean, they hated him. They hated him because he had something with their dad that they wished they could have. He got all the special rules, and they despised him so much that they plotted to murder him. Nice, right? Like, great family. They plotted to murder him. Now, luckily for Joseph, he has an older brother who's a good older brother, who steps in the middle of this thing and says, listen, guys, we can't murder him. That is not the way. To... He's our brother. We can't kill him. He's our brother. He says, let's just sell him into slavery, because then we can make some money off this whole deal, right? Nice guy. So, so we have this whole situation going down, and Joseph gets sold into slavery in Egypt, and that's where he begins to live his life. And this is the situation that we find him, and he lives this life in Egypt, apart from his family. They concoct this whole story to their dad about, and they, they dip the coat, his coat in blood. They do this whole elaborate ordeal, and his dad grieves deeply his son's because no parent wants to lose a child. And it, it hurts their dad. And they watched that all happen. And they did it to their dad. And they live with that. Now, fast forward the tape. Joseph lives in Egypt for a long time. Joseph actually comes into a place in governance where he has some power, where he's actually in charge of food supply and lots of other things in Egypt. Meanwhile, there's a whole famine in the land. And Joseph's dad sends his brothers because their families are starving, to Egypt to get food. And guess who they have to go see? Sweet irony, right? The dream of every younger sibling in the world that someday their older siblings would have to come to them and beg for help, right? This is like, this is like the dream of every younger sibling. This is where they are. They're, they come to Joseph and they beg for help. thing is, they haven't seen Joseph in so long they don't even recognize him. They don't even recognize, they can't even imagine, you know, have you ever seen somebody out of context and they say hi to you and you're like, who is that person? Who is that person? I don't, I can't picture them. This happens to me all the time as a pastor because people, lots of people know you, but you don't always know. And I'm, lots of people at Gettysburg Pike Campus know me. And I'm like, uh, and they're like, daybreak. I'm like, oh, thank you. All right, let me, let me get on the same page with you. This is what happened to his brothers. They didn't recognize that Joseph could be this person. And so they come in, they beg, and Joseph messes with them a little bit, as any younger brother would. And as the story proceeds, they actually move their families to right outside Egypt, Egypt into a place called Goshen. Their families prosper because Joseph takes care of them. Their dad's still alive, but then their worst nightmare happens for the brothers. Their dad dies. And they realize in that moment that maybe, only reason that retaliation hasn't happened was because dad was still alive. And they get nervous. And this is where we enter into the story today. Because Joseph had every reason to hate his brothers. He had every reason to despise them. But here's the story. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for the wrongs we did to him? Now, can you imagine if your siblings had a scorecard from growing up and they had written down everything, every wrong you had ever done to them 
And in adulthood, when they became vice president of the United States, they began to carry out retaliation. Like they, they tweeted the scorecard and you went, uh-oh, right? Like there's real trouble here. This is what they're afraid of. And so here's what happened. So, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Now this is great. Okay, so Jacob, their dad, doesn't live in a far distant land anymore. He lives in the neighboring county, okay? Joseph was at his funeral. Joseph saw his dad and had plenty of conversations with him. As far as we can tell, there wasn't like, oh, I never see my dad. I never... There was none of that happening. But when their dad dies, they realize what could happen, and this is what they do. Now, you recognize this, right? Dad said, hey, by the way, you weren't there, but dad said you should. Have you ever done that growing up? You know, you went to one of your siblings and said, mom said you should do the dishes for me. I, I'm, mom said you have to help me, right? Like, this is what's going on, and so this is what they do. They say, this is what you're just saying to Joseph. Now, they don't even go themselves to say this. They send somebody else in first because this is just how frightened they are. So they, they kind of have their sneakers on. They're ready to run and bolt for the door. And they say, I ask you, this, you didn't know it, but we were there. This is what Dad said. I ask you to forgive your brothers for the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Hmm. Now, please forgive the servants of God, your father, and when their message came to him. Now, now before I read this last line, now, remember, so if you I want you to put, your, put yourself in the place of Joseph. Your brothers have done nothing but harm to you. As far as we can tell, they have never asked for forgiveness for what they did. Your dad dies, and their first act after the funeral is to tell you what dad said to not come and say, will you forgive me? But to tell you that dad said that you should forgive us and let us off the hook. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Joseph, I'm pretty cynical, right? I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm, my reaction is, oh, really, dad said that, did he? Show me the, the letter, right? I, I want the video of dad saying that. I'm not, like, give me the sealed stamp letter of dad saying that because... You're just doing it again. You always, you guys always manipulate the situation to protect yourself. You're never thinking about anybody else. But what is Joseph's reaction? Joseph's reaction is he hears this and it says, and Joseph wept. Joseph wept. He cried. In this moment, you realize that something had happened in Joseph's life to bring him to this point. His heart wasn't hard. It wasn't bitter. But he recognized in his brother's life that something was missing in their relationship, that it wasn't so awesome. I think it's really possible that Joseph probably already forgave them, but he had never told them. He had never communicated any of that to them, and they were still afraid. And in that moment, he realized there was a gap between the relationship that he would like to have with his siblings and the relationship he did and that he had a part to play and he had to own his part. And he wept. Now, if you want awesome relationships with your siblings, every one of us has a choice to make. We have to choose whether we will hold it against them 
keep a scorecard for whether we'll forgive. And if you want an awesome relationship with your sibling, then they need to know that you forgive them. You need to choose to release your siblings from fears of getting even. You know, when your siblings, your siblings are going to hurt you. I don't know that they plotted to murder you, but I, my guess is that they've done plenty in, their, in your life to hurt you. The way they've treated your parents, the way that they've treated you, the way that they've treated your siblings, the way they've manipulated situations, they have done plenty. There is a scorecard, and you have it, and you have the power to let go of it. But if they don't know that, you never give them the opportunity for a new day. You never give the opportunity for your relationship to have a new day. Look what, look what happens when Joseph's brothers come into him, Genesis chapter 50, verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. And Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? So guys, please, don't be afraid. That's not what I want from you. Don't Stop setting me up as a judge. I don't want to judge you. I don't want to have a relationship based on you thinking that I'm a bad person all the time or I haven't done it right or you haven't done it right. I just want to affirm you. You're my sibling. You're my brother. You're my sister. Can't we just try to love each other? And I can say this with some certainty, that if you have a sibling, you've experienced hurt. I know this because I have a sibling. I know this because I read the stories of the Scripture, and it's all right there. I know this because as a pastor, I've talked to so many people in my life whose relationships with their siblings are not what they want. And the question is, especially if you're, you're a Jesus follower, this is, this is a lot of teachings of Jesus about this too, to ask the same question that Joseph asked, which is, am I God? With your siblings, are you playing the part are you looking at their lives and naming all the things that they have done wrong? Are you deciding for them what they should do better? Are you judging jury because of how they hurt you? Or are you willing to back off of that and have a relationship? And I, I, a few years ago, I did a thing called a genogram. A genogram is a you just kind of map of your family relationships, back historically. Right? So I went from my current relationship to my family back to my parents and then to my grandparents as far back as I could hear stories. And I, I just, you put like these little markers on your thing to, to, to talk about the kind of relationships they have. One of the things that you put on there is like you put these two slashes on there, which means a cutoff. And a cutoff is when someone basically cuts off the relationship with the other person and says, I'm not talking to them. I'm tired of them doing this. We don't have a relationship anymore. Basically, you're not my sibling anymore. You're not this to me anymore. And I found myself in my dad's family's generation with all, like, slashes were everywhere. Naming the situations where I remember as a kid this happening over and over. And I remember as an adult when my grandparents died, it happened again and just amped it up. When they died and there was inheritance and there was, you know, things that people wanted that were memorable to them, and the, the level of distrust and the level of rivalry and the level of cutoff, it just exponentially rose. My dad didn't talk to his sister for a long time. She didn't talk to her brother for a long, her other brother for a long time. Like it was just 
It was a mess. And I, and I see this all the time when a parent dies. Siblings don't have a strong enough bond. They've never worked on forgiveness, and so the scorecard comes out at mom and dad's death, and you start scoring them off. And I'm tired of you doing that. And let me tell you, we, we roll right into the position of playing God in our siblings' lives, and we wreck any potential for future relationships. Uh, my dad's family was fortunate, and my, by the time my dad had died, they had begun to forgive each other and to work that out. But that's why forgiveness is so powerful. That's why it's so important for you to choose it, because what you need to understand is, if you don't forgive your siblings, you close doors in your heart, not just to your siblings, but to the other people in your life. You shrink your life and your ability to love others, the people you want to love, your kids, parents, your friends, you let bitterness become a toxin and a poison in your life, and it poisons your relationship with every other person, including God. And Jesus is very clear about that in the Lord's Prayer. We, we make a covenant with him to forgive, to get forgiveness, but part of that covenant is that we will give forgiveness because we can't get it without giving it. You want to know why? Because your heart shut down when you are in unforgiveness. That's why it's powerful. It sets you free. It sets you free from being the judge and the jury. That's a lot of weight to carry. It sets you free from reliving the same thing over and over again. It sets you free, and it sets your sibling free. It creates potential. Now, let's just, let's just admit all of us admit this. When it comes to our families, right, you're the only normal one in your family. When it comes to your siblings, right, you're the only normal one. Right? So it's okay. I get it. You're the only normal one. It's your siblings who have a lot of problems. It's your siblings that are super annoying. It's your siblings that do all the wrong stuff. And that's why our good Pennsylvania way of taking care of this, our, our preventative maintenance way of handling this, is we learn how to use guilt in favor of correcting behavior. Don't we? Like, I'll just shame them into some better behavior. I'll just bring it back up. Every time I think they're going to go wrong, I'll remind them of all the past things that they've done because I still got the scorecard. I remember all of them very well. And I will get them to do the right thing by piling on the guilt. I'm essentially playing God. I'm going to, you know what, God? Take the day off. I'll go ahead and change their lives my way, right? Unfortunately, the problem with that is it's not going to take away any of your pain. The problem with that is when you shame them, it will just cut off any potential relationship that you have with them. It will create a clear barrier between you and them, and shame never works to create better behavior. It never lasts. It doesn't change someone's heart. It shuts them down. And so the lesson here is that we need to choose. Will I choose guilt? and guilting someone, or will I choose grace and giving them grace? Because if we're going to follow, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus. Jesus could have come to guilt you, but John 3.17 says, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. So your choice is don't pile on guilt. Pile on grace. Follow the footsteps of Jesus. 
and pile on grace in people's lives. Here's how it worked in Joseph's life. Joseph, Genesis 50, chapter, verse 20. You intended to harm me. This is his response to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Now Joseph could have brought up all this junk that they did in the past. You guys never came back and even said you're sorry for selling me to slavery. You guys plotted to kill me. You guys, you guys made stuff off the dad's head after his death, and you brought it back and acted like that was on me. What kind of people are you? These aren't his words. And if he had done that, what kind of relationship would he have with his brothers? What kind of legacy and story would he have written with his life? Instead, he chooses to write a better story. And he chooses to write a story of forgiveness. He chooses grace. He gives them grace. Now, if I were you and I was sitting there right now, here's what I'd be saying. Sean, that's all good for Joseph, but why should I do it? Because if I, if I do it, I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just going to do the same thing again. If I let them off the hook, they're just going to do it again and again and again. Why should I do it? And I'd say, okay. If you want to stick with your current trajectory and relive that pain every day, if you want to spend your life having that pain in your heart, never releasing it, if you want to spend your life being bitter and angry, if you want to spend your life being exhausted by being judge and jury over everybody else's life, okay. If you want to keep talking about them to other people and having other people look at you like, okay, a little hotter to the collar. I think I'll just back away from the relationship with you too. Like, if you want to spend your life that way, okay. But there's something better. There is something so much better. There is forgiveness, and forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness gives you the opportunity to grieve your own pain. To say, you are going to have to grieve your pain with your siblings. You don't have the relationship you want with them. You're going to have to grieve that. It's real. But do you have the potential for the relationship you could have with them? And the way that you get that is forgiveness. Forgiveness means new possibilities with your siblings. That's what forgiveness means. It means new possibilities with your siblings. It creates the possibility for something more. So the question that I had to ask myself in my own life when I had lots of scorecards was, how do I do this? How do I forgive somebody? Because I, I'd say I forgave them, but I didn't really forgive them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I recognized the scorecard was still there. And so I found this prayer. I read this book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall, and he has this little prayer in there, and I adapted it for myself. And so I just want to share it with you today. And uh, it's really powerful. It's 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 more like a journey than just a prayer. It's something that you're going to have to enter into and do over and over and with all the intention you can muster. And here it is. This is the prayer that I pray. God, will you let them, and I fill in a name with them, you know, will you let them off the hook for what they did? Now, I usually have to stop there because then I have to get honest with God a little bit of like, I don't want to let them off the hook. I'm really angry and frustrated with them about this. But God... Will you let them off the hook? And then will you help me to do the same? God, will you bless them in every way? And again, 
I find myself pausing there all the time, like, I don't really mean that. You know, I don't want to bless them. I want to punch them. I don't want to bless them, you know. I mean, I'm angry right now. And I have to stop, and I have to say, God, will you bless them? And then would you help me to want the same, to actually want blessing? And God, this is, re- this is really fun. God, will you bless them to the same extent that I want blessing? Will you bless me to the same extent that I want blessing? Don't bless me any more than the blessing that I want for them. That's a hard prayer to pray. I know some of you are like, that doesn't sound powerful, it just sounds hard. But I'm telling you, it has the potential to release and open doors of your heart to new days. And it will change your life if you're willing to go on. Now, I know, I know you might think, you don't understand, my, my sibling always does this. My sibling never does that. You don't understand when it comes to forgiveness. But Joseph understands. Forgiveness isn't the lack of need for boundaries in your relationship. You're, you're going to have boundaries. There's going to be toxic relationships. You need some boundaries. It's not that. Forgiveness isn't I overlook and pretend that that never happened. Joseph knew exactly what happened. Forgiveness is I choose to love you despite the fact that all of that happened. I make a choice to open up my heart and to love you even though that happened. I choose to not keep a scorecard because that's what the Scripture says love it really is. So, what's your choice? What do you choose? I, I think there's this interesting line at the end of this whole Scripture passage, and um, you know, I, I would say you're probably not going to like it when I say it, but this is, this is the truth. Joseph's brothers were repeat offenders. They were like a bad playlist on repeat. Right, doing the same old, same old over and over and over. And Joseph could respond to them in a lot of ways, but here's how Joseph chose to respond to his brothers. This is what it says. It says, he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. So here's the part that you might not like. Your siblings are probably going to mess up at you. And so are you. And the need for forgiveness is going to come back again and again and again. You're, this isn't a one-time choice. This is a choice of a way of life. Say, I choose to be forward. I choose not to carry all that weight in my life. I choose to always provide a potential. Because if we choose not to forgive, we're a lot less like Joseph and a lot more like his brothers. Forgiveness is a lifelong journey, but it's the only way to have a strong foundation for a good relationship awesome relationships. So this morning, here's what I want to invite you to. Um, we're going to take communion in just a few minutes. But the scripture is pretty clear about communion and being, it means coming and celebrating the covenant that Jesus made with us, that God made with us, that we could have a new beginning. He said, I'm not going to hold all your junk, all your failures, all your sins against you. Yes, you are imperfect. But you don't have to be perfect enough to be in relationship with me. I took care of that on the cross. So here's my new covenant. I'll pay for your sins. I'll forgive your sins. I'll love you. But you have to do the same for others. 
You've got to do the same for the others in your life. So he says in his Lord's Prayer, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. When Jesus says at the end, in case you missed it, you got to forgive if you want forgiveness. So today I invite you to this table, and I just want to invite you to pull out your response card, and I'm going to ask you to do something you're not going to want to do, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. I'm going to ask some of you are going to have enough courage to do this this morning. You don't have to turn this in if you decide, like, I don't want to, but I want you to write down a name this morning. I want you to name a person in your life, a sibling, a relationship, that you need to offer forgiveness. And maybe that's not going to come to you, and maybe the invitation for you is more the relationship you need to ask God's forgiveness for, that you've been wrecking. You need to say, God, I need your forgiveness. But I want, I'm just going to pause while the music's playing. I'm just going to give you a minute or two. Let that name come to mind. To write it down. And then to pray that prayer by Kendall or just the prayer of forgiveness before you come to this table this morning and celebrate communion. Let's pause. Let's consider that invitation this morning. person that you brought to our mind. To begin a journey today, and maybe we won't get there today, but to begin a journey will you give us the courage to name them, to pray that prayer of God, help me to let them off the hook like you've let them off the hook. God, will you bless them? And will you help me a heart to want to bless them too? And Lord, where we've fallen short, Lord Jesus, where we have hurt others in our life, where we know that we have wrecked relationships in our family or where we have, where we have taken our unforgiveness and we've used it as a weapon against someone in our family or our life. And we've been holding out on them. God, will you forgive us for that too? Will you offer your forgiveness to us? Will you give us a clean slate this morning? fresh start and a new day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.